cover to cover today, Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Do stay tuned. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today is 19 June, June the 19th, Juneteenth, the last teenth. And uh, there are a lot of celebrations going on around Juneteenth, and the summer solstice is overdue. Ah, yes, summer, time to go to the beach. Ah, oh, I always get too much sand in my books, so I think I'll just take a stack of old New Yorkers this year. Uh, I've got all my copies of children's classics. I'm looking for some stuff to interest my 12-year-old grandson who's coming to visit, bringing a couple of cousins his age, uh... I'm afraid that I'm a little old-fashioned, so I was looking in the new, new fantasy selections. Oh, I think I'll leave the old classics, the memory gems this year. Just put aside Oz and Mary Poppins and all those for the time being. Uh, gave him Peter Pan, but just put aside those. My son wants to spend the summer reading time on Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. He says that uh, his little stepson, uh, 12 now, yes, is ready to read Tom Sawyer and then Huck Finn. Now, I struggled with Huckleberry Finn when I was 12, but I preferred The Mysterious Stranger. That's Mark Twain's pessimistic story about a young boy who is demonic. Uh, he is actually uh, Beelzebub, the devil himself, yes. <laughs> He's such a charming, magical creature, this mysterious stranger, but, of course, he is amoral. Uh, he doesn't distinguish uh, compassion from cruelty. Uh, mm -hmm. For me... The journey into uh, a gothic medieval world, this uh, world that Mark Twain loved so much. You remember Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, right? I, I like the uh, mysterious stranger world. I found it more intriguing than the boy's world of Huckleberry Finn. Of course, I learned better. I, I got my literary... Uh, my literary credits, I, I know that Huck Finn is a masterpiece. Uh, anyway, I found a new book for the kids. I hope I can, I hope I can sell it. Uh, the movie's coming very soon, so that might help me. Uh, the 
New Yorker has a profile of the author, Philip Pullman. And they say that Philip Pullman is the answer to C.S. Lewis. You know C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all the Christian symbols and sacrifice and all that that good stuff. That one's on uh, cable television now every night. <laughs> I love Tilda Swinton, yes. that Oh, she's a wonderful witch. But anyway, this new work, this my new choice, is called The Golden Compass. Uh, book one, yes, The Golden Compass. Now, there's three books called His Dark Materials. Philip Pullman's fantasies, they are going to be superb in the movies on screen. The characters have familiar spirits. And the familiar spirits change their shapes. They're shapeshifters. It's kind of like, you know, witches have familiar spirits like cats. And uh, the author calls the spirit or creature a daemon, uh, D-A-E-M-O-N. These demons, with a few exceptions, are the opposite sex of the human masters. Uh, uh, I think of them as totem animals, a bush soul. Now, the central character in the Golden Compasses is a ten-year-old girl. At the beginning of the story, she's ten. Her name is... Lyra, L-Y-R-A, and her daemon, Pan, like all the other daemons, can uh, change his shape uh, according to the mood or the moment or according to what's happening. Uh, now, think of the film. Uh, the daemon can reveal the character's state of mind, you know, change from a wild cat to a little soft rabbit in a flash uh, all the hidden fears and desires of the humans find their expression in the daemon. It can protect. Uh, I guess it's also a kind of pet or companion. Witches' familiars are my favorite. I would love to have a... Uh, I want a cat. A large cat. I was watching the most wonderful movie about a... Uh, a Napoleonic soldier in love with a leopard. And I thought, there's my cat, my familiar, my daemon. Uh, <laughs> he called her Simone, yes. Actually, yes, each man kills the thing he loves. That movie, what is it called? Uh, Passion in the Desert. Boy, am I getting off the track. Never mind. Uh, anyway, these daemons... In the Golden Compass, uh, they are not allowed to be touched. You can't touch other human beings' daemons. Uh, I just keep thinking of all the graphic art and possibilities. Uh, each individual character has a daemon at all times. You can imagine what that's like. Uh, sometimes as small as a mouse. Uh, now, there are three books, as I said. The Golden Compass, the second book is The Subtle Knife, and the third book is The Amber Spyglass. They're all available in paper for about $7 if you want to try books for middle-aged kids. Um, there's a magic uh, thing in the book. I don't know what it is. It's a symbol reader. 
It has a weird name that I cannot pronounce. I think maybe I'll wait and see. I keep calling it an al 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 anyway. It's a kind of a truth finder, truth detector. It reads the symbols, but you have to you have to spin it around. I it's too complicated for a simple-minded person of my great age. Only 12-year-olds, new age kids will understand what this thing is. They can decipher it. Uh, I think it's, well, I compare it to the ring or the grail in the kind of books I'm used to. But uh, (laughs) I think, yes, I think it's more fun than Harry Potter. But Harry Potter holds a lot of things sacred. But as I keep saying to the young people I know, the Harry Potter books are just... uh, Derivative. They are every English uh, story, every bit of children's literature that has ever been written in uh, English. It's all in there somewhere. <laughs> she put it all in one big package. Uh, I guess there is a new Harry Potter book coming out this week. Uh, I don't know if I can compete with my uh, Philip Pullman books, The Golden Compass, but it's a starter book. I think it might appeal to kids uh, who love science. It's certainly an adventure story and has these wild and crazy characters. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the movie will switch the kids on and they will get intrigued with it. Uh, check it out. It's the Golden Compass and it's available for, oh, a mere Six ninety five in your local bookstore. Uh, now, the other book that I have with me today is Young People's War Diaries, because along with the little cousins um, eleven and twelve, there's a cousin coming who's just turned twenty one, I think, and she's a very interesting young woman. I don't know her very well, and I thought I might, I might. Try this book, Stolen Voices, on her. I don't want to give her something that's going to depress her. That seems to be, that seems to be not allowed these days. No, we're not allowed to give them sad stories. (laughs) If I remember when I was young, you were never supposed to frighten the children by talking about the war. Didn't frighten me. I used to go down on the beach and watch for those Japanese submarines, Uh uh-huh. Children are not what we think. Children are tough, but the voices in this book are uh, heartbreaking. It's called Stolen Voices, Young People's War Diaries from World War I to Iraq. And I thought I would start uh, at the end, the Iraq section, and read you a little bit uh It's not exactly, it's not the sort of thing you find in Anne Frank, but, uh, yes, let's, let's just jump right into the Iraq section rather than going back, backwards into history. Uh, the World War I stuff is, uh, heartbreaking, but let's go to December the 15th, 2003, and read the young woman. She's one of the editors of this book, and her diary has become very popular, very famous, the whole diary. There's only part of it in this book. Uh, 
She's 18. And she writes, the words team inside me demanding to be released into the world to express truthfully what we are living today. And because... <laughs> Let's see. Because I cannot pronounce her name, I will just spell it. Yes. It's H-O-D-A... And then the middle name is T-H-A-M-I-R. And the last name is Jihad, J-E-H-A-D. She's the youngest member of a cultured family of moderates, lawyers, journalists, teachers, born in 1985. Okay, raised by her. Older brothers and sisters. Okay. Saddam became president in 1979. Anyway, they give you a long uh, description of the uh, transfer of sovereignty to the interim government in 2004. At the time of these writings, the major challenges for post-war Iraq include the restoration of civil order, the creation of a stable political system, and reconstruction, in other words... Everything needs to be done. Here she is. Uh, December 15, 2003, she writes, The greatest day in the history of Iraq, even in the history of the Arabs. No, it is the greatest day in the history of the whole Arabic nation. It is a day that I find hard to comprehend whenever I think of it. I still cannot believe that one particular moment of this day truly happened. It is the day of Saddam's arrest. It is truly a difficult feeling to express. The injustice that stems from his tyranny perplexes and saddens me. And what is more difficult is getting the truth to the ones who do not know it. Those Arabs who wrong us in the way they talk about us and about what happened to us. As to what the Americans did, it was an act witnessed by the whole nation. Today is truly the birth of the honest Iraqi. Congratulations to all of us on this day. Hmm. Now that's interesting because she's changing her tune. Back in April, that was December, back in April... She describes the day that um, Baghdad fell. She writes, This is the greatest day in the life of Iraqis. This historic day the whole world is witnessing. Uh, it is a day in which the provinces are reborn. It is the day the Iraqi capital Baghdad fell. Today the empire of Saddam is finished. When this news was announced, I saw smiles on the faces of my family and neighbors that I had never seen before. Smiles that expressed the happiness and joy that has been frozen for years, frozen by the former regime. Only today did I feel that I am 18 years old, that I am in the beginning of my youth, and that I can rely on myself and express my opinion in a frank and serious manner. 
Today, every family that has suffered under the former regime has regained its happiness. But we are still waiting for the greater day, the day Saddam is arrested or killed. This man who snatched the happiness of every child and closed the doors in front of every young man, took the life of every old man and planted sadness on the face of every woman. We spent our lives saying yes to every right and wrong deed. Thirty-seven years of poverty, illness, hunger and deprivation of no freedom of expression. This empire has ended. With it ended all the dark history. Today we turn all the blood-stained pages and open a new page full of roses. And our new motto is democracy. Breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. Just breaks your heart. Because, of course, in her great innocence, <laughs> she's willing, always willing to have hope and to see the best, see the most hopeful, the most hopeful things. <laughs> I'm flipping back here to a kid in Sarajevo. <laughs> well, I think, I think she's 11. Here she is, right? Uh-huh. January 1992. I yawned, opened my pen, and started to write. I'm listening to the music from Top Gun on Good Vibrations on the radio. Dear Diary, she calls her diary Mimi. Mimi, I have something to tell you. Every night I dream that I'm asking Michael Jackson for his autograph, but either he won't give it to me or his secretary writes it and then all the letters melt because Michael Jackson didn't write them. Sad. Poor me. Ha, 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 ha. I have to just laugh. Ha, 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 ha. In March, she writes, March 1992. Oh, God. Things are heating up in Sarajevo. On Sunday, a small group of armed civilians, as they say on TV, killed a Serbian wedding guest and wounded the priest. The whole city was full of barricades. There were a thousand barricades. We didn't even have bread. People got fed up and went out into the streets. The procession set out from the cathedral. It went past the parliament building, made its way through the entire city. Several people were wounded at the Marshal Tito army barracks. People sang and cried, Bosnia, Bosnia, Sarajevo, Sarajevo. We'll live together. And come and join us. History was in the making. Wednesday, March 4th, the barricades were removed. And then the kids came to some agreement. Here, kids is the popular term used for the politicians. I like that. I like that. These kids writing in their diaries, yes. They use the term kids to describe the uh, the politicians. That's perfect. Just perfect. Here is the young woman back in Iraq. And she's beginning to despair. She's writing in April 2003 again. She writes, The continuous drop affects the stone. It has become difficult for me to obtain what I wish 
or desire. This is a time deprived of emotions and love, dominated by black history filled with sadness. But I see a bright spot hiding behind the stage of life. One day we must reach it. I felt I was choking while I was sitting on the ground in the garden of the house, looking at the sky. It could be that the feeling was the result of the situation we live in today, I do not know. During this, a few words about our tragedy occurred to me, so I took a pen and some paper and jogged my memory. Then I wrote some words expressing the feelings inside me, in the hope it would help me breathe normally. Some of these words were inaudible whispers, failed government, a worse life and the hours pass by, and an agonizing hunger, children suffering, and truth does not rise up, suppression is spreading, and no wise mind to deliberate, and no one listens to write. The eyes of simple people look on, and no generous people in sight. And there is a voice in the distance that starts to spread. It is the voice of truth, though not of fulfillment. Things go on. Things get worse. She stops writing in the diary. She starts again. She says, we have nothing left but disappointed hopes, only hopeless expectations. Life for us has turned into blood-spattered streets. Hopes are limited to wishing that the day would end with no loss of life, while our goals and hopes have narrowed to wishing that Iraq would become a great country united by concord and democracy its people united by love and brotherhood. I can only find a few smiles, laughs, sometimes they are fake, non-existent. We have reached a stage where we avoid each other in every possible way to protect ourselves. Sometimes I think to myself, that there will be days when Iraq will be much better than it used to be, while at other times I lose all hope in ever seeing tomorrow. Even the common laws that govern the whole world, such as dignity and respect for the young and the old, have changed today when everyone is attacking everyone else. Will these disasters end? Will there be peace? Will our country develop? Will we have love again in our houses? Will the tears be wiped off our faces? This is all that we are asking for in the near future. We have not found any answers. December. Here we are at the end of the year 2003. 
She writes, all I can say is that the situation is now semi-settled, despite having worsened over the past few days. There are basic construction efforts on some schools, some hospitals, government offices. Of course, this progress is vital. Another important improvement is that we can go to the market to do shopping, but this is only in the city. Uh, she goes on to talk about the places they can go uh more and more limited, she says. Also, the day for starting school is getting closer, although the city is not ready for such things. For example, all the books were burned during the war, as well as the school records for the elementary and secondary schools. The same goes for the workers' buses. Then you consider the dangers of kidnapping and premeditated murders. Pupils begin to doubt that school will start again. We can only hope the situation will be quieter. In January 2004, she writes, Here is Iraq rising again after the bitterness of years that were pointlessly stolen from our lives. But how can Iraq rise after the theft of its archaeological remains? This has pained me since the beginning of the war. I cannot forget it, as I feel a kind of shame. How could that thief steal those relics? He cannot be a person with human qualities. He must be deprived of emotions. What is left for Iraq after its monuments are stolen, after its civilization is stolen, after its wealth is stolen? Iraq has nothing left but sighs and sad thoughts. It has nothing left but these slogans on the walls. And she goes on about her first semester exams. And she says she was admitted to the educational college, right? Uh, she said it's not really her dream, but it's the best she can manage because of her personal circumstances. Uh, and she goes on about the few construction projects taking place and once again, uh, just inching along, finally she writes, keep in your mind every child or young person who has lost his future, every beloved who has lost her lover, Every mother who has lost her child. Every child who lost all that he loved of his family and friends. And every poor family that has lost their home. The world seems dark and bleak for me. People look only like monsters wanting to devour their prey and run away. I am this prey, lost among the multitude. Frightened, scared, not knowing how to escape. Do I stay here and remain silent like this until they devour me, cut me to pieces? Or do I run away from this alien world? Is this weak of me? But my escape would not be an indication of weakness. Rather, it would be the song of my flight 
from injustice. I also cannot find anyone who understands me, who listens to my inner thoughts. All, all are busy with their own pain, worries, and sadness. They do not ask me why I am sad. I really do not know the cause of my sadness. Perhaps I'm just trying to forget this bitter truth. I have done all that I can to get myself out of this situation, to carry me to another world, but I have failed. That's part of the diary from this young 18-year-old woman who is still in Iraq, uh, still struggling to find a place for herself in a, a world, a life that has been stolen from her. These diaries are collected in a book called Stolen Voices, Young People's War Diaries from World War I to Iraq. Check it out from Penguin Press. This has been Jennifer Stone. Be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Hi, I'm Mary Bird, host of The Musical Offering a program of some of the greatest music ever written, interpreted by superb musicians. You'll hear music of all kinds. There's a lot that's Bach and a lot that's not. Join me and the other listeners Sunday mornings for a celebration in music of the heights and depths of experience. It's a journey that reaches beyond words into realms where only music can take us. Remember... That's Sunday mornings from 5 a.m., you heard right, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. for a musical offering. Very truly merry.